welcome to episode 220 of Catching Foxes. In this episode, we dive into a whole bunch of incredible and fun questions from our fine Patreon supporters. Head on over to patreon.com slash cf. But first, Luke kicks it old school catching foxes, which means he drops a whole bunch of F-bombs just to talk about his crappy prayer life. We spend about 20 minutes navigating spiritual ruts and how to get out of them if indeed that's what God wants. Also, we have chapters in this episode to help you bounce around and navigate and just hop right to individual questions if that's what you want to do. And all of the questions are in our show notes. Make sure in your podcast player you are checking out the show notes. Finally, special thanks yet again to catholicsocial.media. Those folks love us, and this is now the seventh week they are sponsoring this show. Oh, Gormley, can we do it old school for a, for a bit? Let's do it old school, bro. But I'm going to kick it old school for a bit here, which means a lot more cursing. So if you're not a fan of the cursing, uh, maybe just skip over it. Gormley, you've got to create chapters now. Okay. <laughs> I'm okay doing that because I only have a half day tomorrow. Oh, there you see. Screw you kids and your holidays with your families. Daddy's <laughs> going to be editing. Um. Dude, I'm so fucking sick and tired of, like, the discipline it takes to have a consistent prayer life. <laughs> like, I'm just like, fuck it. Like, I know it sounds bad. Not, not, that sounds really bad. It, it does. But, like, In every way, shape, or form. You're right. <laughs> I just, like, my prayer life has just been, like, just awful. Just terrible. Um, really for, like, ten months. And So since the new job? Pretty much, but not completely. Mm. Um, the commute really hasn't helped. Now, how come? Are you just more entertaining yourself instead of praying or anything like that? I don't really like. So, okay, so here's okay. A uh, few couple. Okay, so whole bunch <laughs> of things. One, let's just go with like the obvious part. I'm a lazy sack of shit. Right. So there's that. Like, let's just yeah. Okay, we all get it. You know. I would rather sleep in till the very last a minute than get up and pray for the extra half hour. I get that. So there's that. But there's this, there's also just the fact that if I'm try I try to pray in my car, but it's just I can't it's it's good for like tiny little micro prayers, I think, or for periods of silence, especially in the morning. I actually really like that. But my mind like, here's the thing that I think some people don't understand about me. Everyone in college thought I was this happy-go-lucky, oh, Luke's so funny and, like, outgoing all the time, which is very yeah. true. I can I can be that. And for the most part, when I'm out with friends, I am that. That's, that's, that's who I am. What people kind of don't see and what a few people really understand, like you, Adam, John, others, is, like, my mind is just constantly racing. You know, so to the point where I I remember uh, so when uh, when I lived in um Denver, Aaron and I broke up, and my favorite comedian. This is like when we first started the day when she was like, "Oh, you're a bit much." Uh, she was like, "I'm out." This is like August of 2013. Man, well, she learned quick. <laughs> I know. After like three weeks, she was like, "No, I would I I would rather not." And I was like, "That's fair." Um. So a couple weeks after that, one of my favorite comedians mark Marin, he was in town i'm like i can't go alone so i brought i uh, brought like maggie smith now and i was like hey i don't want to go alone uh all my dude friends can't go do you or just like don't care do you want to go see 
this uh, once this once this is my favorite stand up comic. Just a Gatsko. There's a guy named like Brendan Walsh, or it's Brendan Walsh. If I forget how you pronounce his first name, did the funniest opening that I've that I like ever heard. And like Mark Marin comes on, and he's just this like really in like insecure, not really introvert, but not an extreme extrovert either, who's just very much in his head. And after we were done with that on a show, and we, and we like headed out, oh Maggie just uh, you know turns over me and goes, I totally get why you like him. <laughs> because he's just constantly yeah. like he starts off his like set by just going i'm all right like that and everyone just laughs because we hear his podcast we know how just so like self-obsessed and like insecure he is yeah. and my mind just races and i find during like my prayer is always about me yeah, it is always about whatever I'm going through. I'm stressed out about my job. It is so absorbed with myself. It's pathetic and exhausting. So what do you? I mean, okay. So you know that. What so, comes next? Here's the third part. Okay, I'm excited. It's just gotten boring. Yeah. <laughs> just got like, and there's, and I know, I know the answers. Commitment. I, I like. I'm not saying that I've gone ten months with you know out praying. Please don't don't think that. What I'm what what I'm I'm saying is, I've had some rather uncomfortably long streaks where I haven't prayed, and I'm noticing when I do, this is the overall struggle here. Yeah, and so, uh, prayer. And so I I just find that it's boring. And, like, I don't know if it's coming from a place of, like, laziness, because I don't really think I'm actually all that lazy. I work very hard at my jobs, and uh, at least I like to think that I do. Um, but there's just this, this kind of this thing of, uh, I don't know, man. It just it just feels so boring sometimes. And I, I, I just want to be very honest. Like, this is just kind of like a thing that's just been going on. And I was like, you know, I could talk about this with all my friends behind behind closed doors but i but i would rather go old school i'm catching foxes and just say yeah i'm having a hard as hell time and was it the fact that your old job had you praying as part of your job and your new job doesn't um i think that may have been part of it Uh, i think i was definitely there were definitely way more opportunities to pray like in my old job if i wanted to go to confession i just went my old job, if I wanted to go home and take a nap, I just went home and I, and I took a nap. It was wonderful. <laughs> um, church work. <laughs> let's be very honest here. Church work with a priest who's pulled in so many directions that doesn't care to be a real boss. <laughs> <laughs> and an assistant um, who's going to sue you for harassment, but not the sexual kind, <laughs> just the Twitter kind. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. So needy. Um, you are no, a she uh, <laughs> Both. Literally, my favorite things on Twitter is stumbling, stumbling across a conversation between you two. It's my favorite <laughs> thing. The best is when we're, like, annoyed with each other. Because, <laughs> like, one of, like, two things happens. Either it's, like, a real annoyance and we just don't interact on Twitter because we both kind of, like, kind of uh, need a break. Or it's just, like, I'm going to poke just enough to kind of I'll get you going. So what sort of commitment – okay, it's, I don't think it's about commitment, Luke. I think it's you have a job change, a life change, a wife change. 
you know, things with that. Mm-hmm. You have a lot going on, and you haven't had time to slow down. Like, not only did you get a new job, but you moved an hour away. You bought your first house. You have all the things that kind of surround the purchasing of a house and moving and all that. And learning an entirely new type of job, being in development for a missionary company as opposed to working that diocesan lifestyle. And so I think you, more than anything, need a retreat. One of them good old-fashioned silent retreats. Ooh, you're probably... Luke, I'm not probably right. I'm always right. Yeah. Didn't you tell this to me a while ago? Like about six months ago. Yeah. You know, you're That's right. That's because we're best friends, and I know your heart. You do. And I loved you first and hardest before your wife. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. 2001 was a good year, wasn't it? Sans a whole <laughs> um, 9-11 thing. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. That was rough. Yeah, that was, that was rough. Tough. What an important clarification we needed to make during this conversation about my prayer life. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> That's such a you and me thing. Wait a second. I know. We need to spend 20 minutes clarifying how we experienced 9-11. <laughs> <laughs> I think I w- if I were you, I would look in my schedule and try to go on a retreat. Just try to pick a weekend where you can be away, and it has to be sooner rather than later yeah because various events are coming happening yeah stuff is happening stuff is happening but here's the thing that sucks is the only retreat that's really going to i'm going to be able to probably go on is a ridem christie retreat yeah but as long as you're not discerning the priesthood yeah probably won't be too pushy yeah that's true (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry i'm already married oh crap all right well let's make this legit then but you make (laughs) this much money but this is your expenses and debt. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, this is going to be a one-time thing. Well, Luke, guess what? I'm supposed to say what? What? Sorry, what? That's an awesome segue to our Patreon suggested <laughs> topics. <laughs> okay, so wait, real quick. So the moral of the story is I need to go on a retreat. I mean, I don't think, I can't think of anything. I think like, you're right. It's, I th- it's I not yeah. that you don't care. It's not that you don't love Jesus. But it is that, number one, you had a coincidence of schedules. Your schedule required you. You were with, uh, what's his name, Bradley Barnes, who has a strong prayer life, who puts prayer at the middle of everything, and let's see and where is God in your life. By the way, and now you you're just not, get Barnes yeah. confused with Bursa, and Barnes going to lose his mind because of that, and I love <laughs> I it. Did. I did. I did. Whoopsie. Well, yeah. I like Barnes better. Um, <laughs> Barnes will love you for for, for that as well. <laughs> He's awesome. He's awesome. Uh, for those of you who don't know, the first live show that we did in Cincinnati, um, he created uh, Catching Fox's bingo card, and it, it was filled with such deep cuts that I was crying, laughing, reading It was these. really funny. And then I stole all the leftovers and brought them home, and every so often I pull them out and look at them and just laugh and laugh. And Barnes is the inventor of the Catching Fox's drinking game and was a guest back about a year and a half ago. So there you go. Yeah. Um, but I would just say, like, I think your experience is, you know, they always tell you in the Ignatian model, when everything else changes, don't change anything about your prayer life. Because you're going to be tempted to scale up or scale down or do something different. And it's like, no, no, no. In huge life change, you need one thing of stability. 
And you have many, many changes going on on top of the fact that the, of the what I call the coincidence of schedules, where your schedules happen to align with this thing that's good. Now, for most of the time, I use that phrase in men's sessions that I do begrudgingly to talk about, like, you don't really have friends. You have a coincidence of schedules with your coworkers, and you think that they're your friends. But when that schedule goes away, all of a sudden, no one, none of them hang out with you anymore. Mm-hmm. That's not about you. It's just about... You have a work relationship that's not a friendship. But for you, Luke, you had you had every external thing around you that pushed you to have a good prayer life. The way you judge church work, the way you know ministry should be done, the way um, Bradley Burst, the <laughs> he <laughs> the way he modeled it, even you know, and the way that you guys did your young adult stuff and his youth ministry stuff. That you began to see, like, I've never heard of people doing what you guys did, where you would travel and just pray with people, and then at the last, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, talk business. Um, And so you had that, you had such a strong culture of it, and you worked with priests and a bishop, and you could go across the street to the cathedral and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, we had a crap ton of, that's, sorry, yeah, yeah. No, that's all I was going to say. Now it's work to do the thing. And it's so disruptive of the patterns that you've adopted and the external things are gone that it it has to be a fight. And so you got to figure out new like systems, new habits, new patterns that you can easily adopt. So when you're doing a long commute, part of the reason why prayer is boring is because you do what I do, which is you surround yourself with noise. You're, you're listening to podcasts, audiobooks, talk radio, music, but that, Doing that disrupts your ability to pray in other areas, even if it's good stuff, even if you're singing praise and worship. I mean, I remember leading a retreat for core members, and I sent them out to be in silence for an hour. We were at the Huss Lake House, and it was like the most beautiful weather. It was a beautiful day on the lake. Like, it, you couldn't have asked for a more perfect thing. And I noticed how many of my core members snuck out their earbuds and their iPods because that's when that was <laughs> so long ago. And uh, and this one guy came back, and I said, so what did you learn from silence? And I knew that that guy took his earbuds, and he said, I just can't do it. I can't do it. I have to have Christian music playing. That's just where I feel God. And I was like, well, what about, like, what about cultivating a discipline of silence? Like, it's not that what you were doing was bad. It's that what you were doing is preventing further growth. Yeah. And I think, honestly, like, one reason why – I knew it was time to get out of of ministry. And this is going to sound very weird. And perhaps I was just like running from the fear of like feeling. I don't think that was the, the case. But I feel like I had gone as far as I could. And I knew I had surrounded myself with like like everyone that I worked with were like my best friends here. Like, I mean, I was just such good friends with all of them. And I loved all of them. And we had had such a great four years together. That I was like, this is really comfortable now. Yeah. Like, everything about this is easy. Mm-hmm. And I think especially with – it actually was my executive coach who we interviewed on a on the B-side that is up for free over at patreon.com slash CF. Again, that is patreon.com slash CF. Um <laughs> You know, she was like, yeah, you like you just go and work with all of your friends always, huh? And I was like, what, what? What do you mean? And she like, and we like, I went through my like my entire like work history, and I was like, oh, I do, <laughs> and <laughs> and you know, I think it was a a bit of it. Oh, it was in my head. I kind of thought so. 
I could just be comfortable throughout my entire career and do this, and I could, or I could change jobs to a thing that I really um, want to do that I, I like doing, or I feel like God is leading me to. But this is going like the hardest, the hardest part of having to quit my job was knowing that I wasn't going to be able to um, work with Sarah. I wasn't going to be able to work with Sean or Brad or Ryan or Dan or like Aunt, or like Aunt and Andrea or Barnes or all these people that pretty much. Uh, no one knows who I'm, I'm talking about, but people that I love, and I, like I truly love these, like they're my family, and I and it's good to be in that. It's good to have that as the core of your ministry. But I think for me, I think what I didn't take into account was how much of my world was like dependent upon that. Yeah, no, yeah, no, I agree. I 100 percent agree. And it's so easy to slip. It's so easy to slip out of that. In fact, I just had a conversation with a woman today who's in the youth ministry, and one of her teens said, I'm scared to make a commitment to Christ for my life because next year I'll be in college. And I don't know who's going to be around me, and I don't know who's going to go to Mass, and I don't know what those circumstances are going to be. And there, there is a point where it's like, right, right now being a Christian is safe, it's easy, and there's a pathway that is externally supported. But once that dissolves, you realize, oh, I never – it's not that you never believed. It's that it wasn't the center point of your life. And so she's saying this, and I, and I appreciate that girl's honesty. She's like, yeah, I believe now, but you know, when the Red Solo Cup life comes at you and I have all my friends who are doing God knows what, I don't want to be on the outside looking in. And it's like, okay, well, then it's not your, – your problem is not – with the teachings of the church, your problem is the actual point of the teachings of the church, which is giving your life to Christ. And this girl, for her honesty, sees that. Like, Reverend Timothy Keller has this great line where he was talking with a high school student. She's like, I get it. I get it. I get the Jesus. I know he died for me. And she, like, rattles off, like, penal substitutionary atonement theory for a 16-year-old girl. And she says, I get all this Jesus stuff, but how does that help me get a date for homecoming? And he, he's like, it's such a funny story. But for him, he was like, see, this is the point. Like, you have this other thing that you think will make you happy, but Jesus is that thing. And so right now, if it's all about the external imp- imposition on your life, even if you like it, it's, it's still outside of you. And it will never take root until it becomes inside of you. And so I don't know, man. I don't know. Maybe this is God uh, pulling you into the threshing floor and ripping out the wheat and the chaff and it sucks because you're not bored with prayer you're bored with the idea of god yeah and maybe if you don't repent you're gonna go to hell for all eternity (laughs) and this this conversation with me is your one chance to avoid that luke Hence why you are Mary's favorite. (laughs) The hills are alive with questionable locutionists (laughs) praising Gomer. (laughs) Yeah, you've done a... Okay, just for everyone who doesn't know, I'll explain this really quick because it'll take you forever. I'm so excited. Uh, Gomer went to like Medjugorje when we were in college and this uh, one of the person who like like has like visions stopped and like learned it and like stared at you after she was going, 
Mary loves all of you, but especially you, and like points to Gomer. And so while I'm doodling in a notebook, not paying attention, and I look up and I went, Oh yeah. And I fist bumped and she I didn't do shit. Look what I got. (laughs) (laughs) Look at my sick drawing. Uh, no, she's it's it's tribal. It's a tattoo my buddy John has on his arm. Um No, but she she kept staring at me and pointing, and I was like, oh, crap. And I just remember lowering my arm, and she's like, all of you are good, but you are better. And I was like, I'm a porn addict. (laughs) You're like, I'm not going to flop this now, but in three months, I'll be in a project house in Ohio, and Luke will be having a party, and we're all just going to want to interact like a bunch of normal college kids, and I won't be able to do that. And I'll talk about that and make people watch a video of me hosting a lip sync. Yes, yes. <laughs> I love that. And everyone in that room, Luke, you're not telling the full story. Everyone in that room is now a uh, venerable. <laughs> because they did that. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, I'm, I'm thank you for except I, you and you don't pray anymore. So get with the train, Luke. <laughs> there's okay. So there's like one thing that I I just want to like add. Not a, not a critique, but just a huh. When you say like that girl, or just take women, when you're saying like how like Christ isn't isn't at the center of your life might not be at the center. I yeah. I think I I think it's more like. I, I don't know. Yeah, I just don't know if it's that simple, but I agree with you. Like, the roots, like, I think one of the hard parts is that when the tree, this is a crappy analogy, but here we go, everyone. We he's working in ministry, so all we, ha- all we have is analogies. When, like, <laughs> a tree tends to grow and you pay all attention to, like, the fruit that's on there and you just ignore other roots – I think a tree like because a tree like a tree can then start like it can start because it it's 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 not like what's going on is bad or this stuff is bad or it's not even like helping you out, but it just uh, you have to just kind of be careful of it I think or at least just be aware of it and 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 understand that like this is a temptation that you know stuff is messy. That's all I'm saying. I think the. How shall we escape the chapter two verse three? How shall we escape if we neglect? such a great salvation and it's not about rejecting it's about neglecting oh yeah that's a, mm. and the idea behind that is like you've tasted and seen you have known what a good prayer life looks like you've experienced it you've had it and it's not that it's emotionally satisfying but it's rationally powerful right like yeah, yeah. you know that this is the good the, and and your will is being conformed to it but then at the same time you know, what, if we haven't achieved stability in some of these virtues, right, what we call the purgative life, the whole point of the purgative life is we're uprooting all these vices. But if we keep returning to them, we're going to be in the same place we were 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago. And so part of this is like the whole idea of the next stage of our Christian life, as understood by, you know, Catholic spiritual theology, is this notion that now we have stability. Right, it's the illuminative stage. Like we have stability in virtue, stability in prayer, stability in friendship and love and service. But I would also say, Luke, maybe the other thing is finding out a way to get outside of yourself. And one of the things that I want to point is at myself in this. Um, my parish just did two amazing, and they're about to do a third amazing outreach events to the poor 
the Hungry and what's the third one? It's like a diverse group of missions, but it's all like these service projects. Now, my family took these boxes home and we filled it with food and we spent the money. But I was never around when they did all the service stuff where they're gathering this stuff together and they're um, and we literally just fed for Thanksgiving meals. Um, over a thousand families at my church alone, just my parents. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we did this turkey box. Home Depot gave us a bunch of boxes. There's one girl who took like 30 boxes and she filled them with all this. It was just incredible. But I watched all my coworkers do all that stuff. And I, I mean, I took off and I had things that I was doing at home, but I realized like there's this element where, uh, you know, to whom mercy is given, uh, or to whom, to those who show mercy, mercy will be shown. And it's the reality, like, you might not feel it for many, many reasons, but one of them might be, like, you're trapped in yourself. You're trapped in your head. You're trapped in your thoughts. You're trapped in your boredom. You're trapped in the same entertaining things that you do. Maybe it's time to go to a soup kitchen and uh, or to a prison or to do something like that and to just get out of your head and into other people's lives and just loving other people who mm-hmm. maybe radically need it. That's a very good point as well. No, that's actually been on my heart. Uh, both the retreat and that have been on my heart. So nice. Okay. It seems I like that. I had a word of knowledge for you. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> this episode of Catching Spox- <laughs> Catching Boxes, <laughs> Spoxes, uh, was sponsored by CatholicSocial.media. Cha-ching! Insert ad here. Do, 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 do. All right, here's the deal. You ain't got no staff, no time, and certainly no budget to make creating compelling content for social media in any way a priority. So what do you do as a Catholic parish? Probably what most parishes do, and you just copy and paste things straight from your bulletin page onto your Facebook page. Man, that ain't no way to live. And yet, all the millennials, Gen Xers, and even grumpy, fussy baby boomers are online like 24-7, which means your church can be online like 24-7. And they don't just want you to have a presence online. They want it to be good, like like really, really good. That's why CatholicSocial.media exists. You subscribe to them, and they hook you up with daily social media posts that you can personalize for your parish without their, like, logo all over the stuff. You know, like when you illegally pull stuff from Google Image Search, and it has other people's logos all over everything? Not that I've ever done that. I am as pure as the morning dew. CatholicSocial.media is a Catholic company with Catholic artists, designers, writers, and videographers coming up with the very best stuff for your parish. And you can look like a genius and save time and money. Head on over right now to try.catholicsocial.media. Apparently, the design nerds over there are big fans of Catching Foxes, and they created a free trial with a discount code FOXES for you just to try out their stuff and see if it's a good fit for your parish. That's a free trial with the promo code FOXES over at try.catholicsocial.media. Special thanks to catholicsocial.media for sponsoring this show. Okay, Luke, do you want to do the Patreon topics? Let's do it, baby case. My little Gormley has the sweetest smile. Do 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 do. My little Gormley is the greatest Catholic podcast out there. <laughs> Hell yeah! All right, so we asked our by we I mean Luke asked our Patreon supporters yesterday, and we got some of the most incredible questions. 
emails i the emails were pouring into my inbox when i woke up it was like you have 30 missed emails i was like <laughs> what is this and they're all our patreon supporters writing us questions so if you want to chime in and be a part of the community over there for catching foxes and chit chat with us and get all the luke's fun uh what was that music video you sent out about oh, that, the tiny letter uh that's from uh, i want to i'm going to hide that i, I just so I, if, if for people who don't know i'm intermittently every like now and again i'm going to be doing a newsletter and uh i am writing a little piece for for that and i put up this one music video that has to do with the that has um has to loosely do with the topic that i will be writing about nice so nice. Like to share like we like to share little things um it's not just that but we you know we put that on there yeah we have all sorts of stuff my ongoing journey with fire and that's a question that well, I'll save till later. Okay, so Michael Fetterman writes, I'm a part of a men's group who rarely talks about Christ, the gospel, or the beatific vision. I've never been a part of a men's group that talks about the beatific vision explicitly. Rather, we spend the time really uncharitably attacking Pope Francis' LGBT issues and talking about the narrowness of those who will be saved. To me, we have this backwards. What advice can you give me about changing the dynamic of this group? Leave it. 100% leave the group. I would say this. See, do you know why people do this? It's because they don't want to talk about the stuff that matters. For men, it is difficult to talk about the stuff that matters. It's hard connecting thoughts to emotions. However, however, if you can't get them to do it in one or two meetings, then you have to ditch the group. Yeah. Because it is pure poison. I would agree. Run away! That's, yeah, no, that's exactly why. Because it's, it's more about, like... I would recommend maybe going and talking to the leader if there if there is one just to say that you did or just to say hey I'm probably going yeah. to leave because of this 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 and this and yeah. say um you know I think you know like say it's not it's not, you know try to make it as like impersonal as you can say I think you guys are all great I just I know for me and my soul and this I need to find stuff that will give me an opportunity to do this, 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 and this. Because I, I think that the bad grossly outweighs the good with this one. Yeah. Yeah, and my last bit of advice is one thing you can do to try to change the dynamic of the group, if you're honest with them, is to suggest the group do a thing. That's a good point. And that that's thing a, can be my community group stuff, Exodus 90, something to take it off of. I feel good about myself because I'm not those people to – who is Christ and what is God doing in my life right now? And if you can do something. So my favorite thing about the Exodus 90, and I've said this before, was these were not men who I was previously very close to. I knew two of the guys, and I I liked them a lot. Um, They're actually listeners to the show now. Pretty much the whole group, uh, intermittently at least, listens to the show. Hi, guys. My big thing with the Exodus 90 group was... I like we talked about the things that mattered and we did our very best to be as brutally honest and as on topic as we could. And I loved it. And we met at the coffee shop at six o'clock in the morning and we went through everything and it was it was awesome. If you don't have that, you have poison and you should leave it. That doesn't mean you hate them. It just means this group ain't for you. Ghost them if you have to. (laughs) So that's it. I think that's good, right? That's yeah, good. some no, good advice. Yeah, I think so too. Like, and, and again, I, I um, it's kind of like a dust off your shoes and walk kind of a thing. 
you know, because <laughs> peace just... be on this house. Oh, why is my peace coming back to me so quickly? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Luke, I love these types of questions. Ian has a good one, and I feel like you are better than anyone else I've ever heard, and I'm not uh, blowing smoke up your skirt. I don't know what that saying is. It's not Thursdays. Uh, (laughs) 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 This isn't Cross Creek Tavern. We're not drunk. Anywho. um, No, but I think you're better than anyone else at (laughs) at articulating how to deal with your 20. So Ian writes, do you have any tips for a 20-something-year-old Catholics on how to balance maintaining old high school college friendships with creating new ones other than starting a podcast together? <laughs> <laughs> so many people just think they get so mad when all we do is make college jokes. And to that group, I say, there's the door. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to lose you as a listener. A good day. <laughs> Enjoy your clerically speaking. Okay, now, so... Um, <laughs> Enjoy the lanky guys. I know many of you do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know. Those those guys are great. Um, they really are. Yeah, okay, so uh, two things. So How to balance the old with the new. Old with the new. Um, that's actually... I've. I, I have dealt with that b- before, and there are kind of like two traps that you can really um, – f- that you can fall into with this. One is uh, thinking that the grass is always always like, is like, oh, the greener on the other side. You know, I remember when I first um, moved to like Eureka, all I wanted to do was like hang out with like college guys. And then by the end there, I was like in tears as I was leaving. You know, because so it's just right, right, always right. understanding that, like, there is a much bigger game. And that's hard to do in your 20s. It got easier for me to understand it in my late 20s. To understand, like, in, like just to see, like, okay, there's, like, a greater thing at play here. Life is kind of, there's a lot of stuff going on. But I would, so, um, here's the key thing. If your college friends are, like, ruining your life, like, if they're just partying a lot and they're doing a lot of immoral, debaucherous stuff, understand that Christ may have hung out with all of all of the sinners and the saints, but he lived with the apostles. So really make sure that whoever your friend group is, like your main core group, that there are people who are like, have the same faith as you, because you really, it is impossible to navigate your twenties without that. So all of that, all of that, like being said, um, I think it's like, I'd be like very practical about it and say like, you know what? On, Thursday night, I'm going to go out with new people. Because that's what he's asking, right? Like, how do you go yeah. out and, like, meet new people? Um, I think, uh, obviously, like, work is a really great place. Is is, it, is he asking where or, like, how? Huh, let me see here. He is asking how. How to balance. How to balance. So it's not necessarily how do I get new friends. It's how do I balance creating new friendships with, yeah, I go out with the old guys and, and you know, gals from high school and college all the time. Yeah. But yeah. I need to move on too. Yeah, no. And and that actually can be that can be kind of tough because quite often I would say the ideal thing is when like your friends from college are helping you like meet the meet the new people and it's just one big awesome group. Um I experienced that when I was uh at like Denver. You know, we would hang over at the Nichols house a lot over with but uh 
the we had our core group of friends, but there was always some different people in and out or people being added to or people who would leave and move. And so, like, one thing I would say is do you need to, like, leave that group behind? Can you just invite more friends over or invite them to people or, or go do um, different things and it'll just happen? It'll, it'll just kind of happen. Especially if they're, and don't be afraid to don't be afraid to talk about this too with your. If you have like one or two really good friends, like I thought, I could have talked about this with you when we were like twenty three. Oh or yeah, twenty four. Totally. I think I could have um, seen us if I had stayed in um, Texas, being out at the party bar, going, "Man, we're hanging out with the same three people every time, and it's awesome." But like, we should probably branch out a little bit. Yeah, uh, but also there are people who don't really. I want to do that, and I have experienced that with some really good friends who just don't want to branch out because they're, you know, they just don't have the energy to anymore, or they're just, or they just aren't interested, and it's tough. So I'd say find out like what, like find out um with them like really what do you owe them, and what can you not um, live without um with them, and have that beer. I'm not gonna I'm gonna give this up. So if that's you know. um holiday certain like you know we always spend like thanksgiving over at scott and tracy's house out in denver i would never give that up or like we always tend to do like big big like uh, all the big like friend holidays over at my buddy scott's house but i couldn't spend every day at scott's house because scott had a wife and a kid and i like doing other things that scott and them just really were all all, all, all they didn't do so I, I wasn't afraid to go out and do those other things while understanding this was kind of my core base and on these days at these times i did th- this stuff with these group of people yeah and i think that's a really i think that's a really great way to look at it as in like you need new friends but if your old friends are good and strong you don't need to constantly like do you need new friends because everyone's getting married and all that stuff and you're the single guy or you know what what is the need for new friends like most of the time new friends develop somewhat organically right you mm-hmm. meet up at work, and then you're, hey, do you want to hang out afterwards? Do you want to go get a beer? you want to go watch the game? you want to blah, blah, blah? I would just encourage you, number one, incorporate them into your old friends because chances are there would be a good integration. If there's not a good in- integration, maybe you're being fake somewhere, right? Like uh, if you are striving to keep two groups totally separate, maybe that says something about what's going on in your own life. So, I mean, that would just be my, my upfront thing. But others is like I'm I seek out new friends because I want to make sure that I am welcoming people into my church, that people who feel like they don't have friends, like I had this guy stop me at church, say him and his wife are on the struggle bus because they don't have friends. So we invited them over to our house for a potluck and we invited a ton of friends. And the reason why I had to is they're LSU fans and they're super big into college football and I only know nothing about college football so i had all my friends who are the ohio state fans Woo! and georgia bulldog fans and all of that stuff so just letting them encounter other people now the funny thing was they didn't become good friends with my other friends although now everyone is friendly and church has taken on a new level of meaning but i will say that they told me after that the sting of not having friends went away and so they, the friends that they did have became stronger, and it was just an anxiety of, like, I've been coming to the same church, and the only person I know is the guy that runs stuff that, you know, helped me out with a thing that one time. And so now it's like, oh, there are a lot of people. And then we had them, and then we featured them in a video, and it was awesome. Now they're celebrities. <laughs> you did one thing. Please be in our video. That's the most church thing ever. 
I know, um, but they are amazing. Oh, yeah, no. They, I, are, yeah, I know. they are the most handsome people well, ever. There you go. Oh, man. No and they're so good. <laughs> Such good people. Do you know how okay, I, I no, it's just, it's just funny you? how like every like church, every time you like have a meeting with like a church group, or like we like uh, have to have a video, and then everyone under their breath goes, "And we need to make sure they're good looking, and we need the <laughs> one black guy if he can come and if he can show up, that'd be great." <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But I will say this: when I was in high school, I read a Protestant. I used to read uh, Protestant when I was in high school. Remix. When I was a high school high school youth minister, I read. I was always reading these Protestant blogs on youth ministry and whatnot. And one of them from You Specialty said, oh, we always wait to get that perfect-looking teenager, group of teenagers, and we put them on the front of our brochures. Uh, we're a- attracting teenagers not to Christ but to youth group for all the wrong reasons. And I used to put kids on youth group that were uh, – and I, like, proudly did this. I, we had a, an, a young adult special needs group that would meet at life team. And I made sure that no matter what brochure flyer, anything, they were in the picture. That's because awesome. I was like, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to walk the straight and narrow. Even if people don't show up, they'll be not showing up because they're assholes. Not me. <laughs> oh, that's not really Hey, cool. you didn't come to my youth group last week. That's because you're an asshole. I'm a good youth minister. <laughs> I'm a good youth minister. <laughs> you're a piece of shit fat kid who has too much acne and his white heads on the back of their neck. Ew. Mr. Gormley, you're talking about yourself. I know. Damn it. Don't you know I know that? <laughs> Look at that. Give me this one thing, Troy. Give me this one thing, <laughs> Troy. We get it. You can throw a ball 70 yards. Excuse me. Um, so I want to add one quick thing, though, too. That was a deep cut. Yeah. In Catholic. <laughs> Troy. There, there's some guy named Troy who's like, I'm listening. Who's like, oh, he's talking about me. Um, <laughs> I hope it's Zac Efron. Go on. <laughs> uh, I really want to know if we have a if there's like one like celebrity who listens. If you are, yeah. reach out to us. Um, Sugar Garcia. I just want to know. Yeah, she's probably. I mean, and she is awesome. Okay, uh, I love her voice. Like when she does the B sides uh-huh. voice, it's so smooth. I'm like. <laughs> B-Sides is a new project by Catching Foxes. It's the same discussion over instruction that you're used to, but without so much the collision of faith and culture. Now, you might not know this yet, but you've been waiting for this your whole life. Welcome to the B-Sides. My point, though, I think for what I've seen happen, like why, especially in Catholic groups, some people tend to uh, get this way, is the Catholic group they hang out with becomes insular. If that's the right word, they just oh yeah, totally, they, they totally. really turn inwards, and it just feels gross. And I've yeah. been a part of that. I've probably done. I've probably done that myself. And what tends to happen when that stuff is going on is you have a lot like hookups and just a lot of anger, a lot of like bitterness, and it just gets it just gets kind of like uh, just weird and just like it just like starts to eat itself from the inside. Yeah. And so yeah, and that's a good point. You need new blood to keep everything fresh. And totally. I guess I kind. I guess I kind of assume like, and this is the danger, right? Is we all see things from our own perspective. I, because of my job and what you know, my charism and stuff like that, I kind of see the world through that. So, being on the lookout for young adults who don't feel like they fit in, especially young couples or young families, I'm always trying to bring them into my orbit. So there is new blood floating around. And so I just didn't think of that. But I think you're absolutely right. That That is a good reason. It's not that you're getting rid of your old, but the, many groups can become stagnant because you do the same old thing. 
and bringing in new blood can can help. Yeah, alleviate and it's that. and it's really it's just like the same people, and like you're not. It's just not very Christian because like you're not being for others. You're being a group that's just for each other. So. In a weird way, you become like a group of loners, and it's just—it's not good. Yeah. It's not good. No. So I would say if that is—if that is the case, if you've got like a buddy or two, talk with them about. Like I think I, I remember bringing that up to like certain people in my life. Like we need to hang out with new people. We need to bring some people into this. This is becoming a little much, and that—and that's sometimes it doesn't really go well, and that's okay. Like just I'll, I'll give it time. Like, but it does need to ha- like when it it. Like you've got to like break the bone in order to heal it, kind of a thing. Yeah. So good, yeah. good, good answer, Luke. All right, coming up next, we have Jared. Jared asks, "I'm getting married on Saturday, November 30th. Hey. Oh, what is today? The 26th. That's awesome, Jared. That is awesome. We're recording this on Tuesday, the 26th. So we will be praying for you, everyone out don't there in catching foxes. Back land. out. Let's all. Yeah, don't back out. I mean, unless it's and a good idea, then back out. Don't like it's the rest of your life. So really think about this." <laughs> what, what did my brother say the day before the literally five seconds before we walked out uh hey mike remember the statistic half of all marriages stay together are you sure you want to do this i'm like thanks <laughs> asshole <laughs> so jared don't listen to anything i just said and we're all gonna pray for you everyone at catching foxes listening to this pray hail mary for their uh for their marriage um so i'm getting married on saturday november 30th and i would hey. love to hear from you guys some things that would have been helpful to know as a newlywed. Bring a towel, put it on the bed. You won't stain the sheets. I'm going to let that go in any direction you want, but I would like to hear... Oh, I can do the towel thing again. I would like to hear something about strengthening the faith of a newlywed couple. Thanks. Ooh. Uh, Look, you married a Carmelite. I did. Here's Okay, here's the thing. Because we have to... Uh, not that um, I want to... Not that I don't want to talk about this, but I know we have... A lot of questions, so I'm going to kind of be a jerk and be like, we have a previous episode, which will be in the show notes, uh, where we talk about this in um, in uh, in depth. But I do have one that I actually just like thought of that I think is really good. When you experience the grace of the marriage, name it and claim it. Like, there's this thing that happens where I saw, like, whenever me and Aaron would fight when we first got, got married, and we fought a lot because, you know, year one. The way, like, when we fought, we experienced it in a different way than when we would argue when we were engaged or when we, uh, or when we were dating. And it was, we were just like, can you kind of tell that there's, like, a grace here with us being married? And we both were like, yeah, I have experienced that. And I think when you do, and that comes out in a variety of ways, like, Claim that, own that. That's a really good way to like really say, "Wow, this is the sacrament at work here," and it's really cool when you're able to notice that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that episode is episode one eighty three. You can find that on catchingfoxes dot fm slash one eight three, and we talk about your first six months of marriage. I would just say. Um, in terms of grace, and I am so happy I listened to a series of marriage sermons by Reverend Timothy Keller down in uh, Redeemer Presbyterian Church in uh, Manhattan because he talked about him and his wife did a talk on headship and dating and marriage and blah, blah, blah. And it was really interesting because they went to great lengths to talk about how for most of their marriage, like 30 years of marriage, they didn't pray as a couple. 
and the last four years, you got to think he's the pastor of like one of the most dynamic churches in Manhattan. It has 6,000 people. It's a, that is almost entirely young adult professionals. It's unheard of in the world, more or less. And he says that like, basically it wasn't until my wife got a cancer diagnosis that we didn't pray, that we started to pray. And that was only four years ago. And he said, it's my deepest shame, you know, as a pastor that it was so difficult for me to pray with my bride. And I would say this, like when it comes to things, there are people who do pious devotions a lot better than me and my wife do. But at the end of the day, all you need to do or, or throughout the day, anytime during the day when you're with each other, you, you need to spend time to listen and to talk to each other, to do all that stuff. But you just need to take each other's hands and just say a 10-second prayer for the other. And that's it. Like, it doesn't have to be big and complicated. We pray yeah. a family yeah. rosary as a family, right? I want my kids to be habituated to all that stuff. But with me and her, like, we have a lot of alone time during an individual day. Coffee in the morning, you know, hanging out at night. But that little prayer time is more than enough. Um, I mean, seriously, it opens up your heart in just 10 or 20 seconds. You just bypass a lot of the BS that you otherwise would never bring up. And it shows that you care when you take her by the hand and say, Lord Jesus, I just want you to be with her. Give her the grace she needs to be sustained this day at work or with the kids or whatever it might be. You know, So that would be my encouragement. Yeah, that, that, is, that is awesome, man. And speaking of encouragement, we got the next question. Katie, Katie, and then Paul Martin comes right under. I got a funny story about Paul Martin. Um, Who does uh, it? Right under and seconds it. Uh, I'll just tell the story real quick. There's a guy at my church named Paul Martin, and I love Paul Martin at my church. But I, uh, this Paul Martin donated on uh, my, uh, what do you call it, the Catholic um, prison formation uh, on GoFundMe that I'm trying to do. And I thought it was the guy from church. So I walk, I see him, <laughs> right? I'm like, thank you so much. You're the best. I gave him a big old hug and I walked away. <laughs> Two days later, he sees me. He's like, Mike, I'm happy you hugged me and I'm happy you thanked me. And I'm always down for more. However, what was that about? <laughs> and I was like, oh no, oh no, oh no. But uh, okay, so that's funny. So Paul seconded Katie's question, which is, I'd like to hear just 10 minutes of encouragement on how friggin' slow and plodding raising kids in the faith is. Just like every day adding in those little graces and disciplines that add up to making a child a saint, but which seem to be ineffective in the short run. You could probably just say, it's okay, I'm going to pay off. It's going to pay off in the end. You're doing a good job. I'm so sorry you're so tired over and over again for 10 minutes. So I'm going to record that as a new ringtone. But before that, let me just say very specifically, kids are freaking monsters, they are born into this world untrained, undisciplined, and all they want is sugar and its various equivalents in life. They want to be entertained all the time. My daughters, I'll never forget, we went to the movies, had ice cream, and then she went to a gymnastics camp where she got to do all the fun shenanigans for five straight hours. She got home, and within 10 minutes of that crazy fun day, she said, I'm so bored. There's nothing ever to do. <laughs> Kids are like that. Kids are they so are the stupid. They are the most. Sorry, that was, was kind of harsh. No, they are the most crazy making things. They say the most insane things. They do the most frustrating, painful things. And when I was growing up, my parents every single day prayed the scriptural rosary. My oldest is nine. 
My youngest is four. This year, I've introduced just one decade of the scriptural rosary. My parents would pray all five. I have no idea. Now, I have four kids, and we're all close in age. My In my family, I was the baby, and I had a two-year older brother and a 10-year older brother. So from when I hit eight, my 10-year-old brother, I mean, the brother who was 10 years older than me, he was gone. So he was in college. So the idea was, for my kids, I want to expose them to different types of prayer. I want to expose them to different types of books and learning. But more than anything else, I want to expose them to other people than us being Catholic and doing the Catholic thing. So, for instance, tonight we watched a movie that I've never seen in my entire life, The Sound of Music. Have you ever seen that movie? Uh, Yeah. Okay, so I've never seen it. They played it in Austria, and I was kicked out because I was making fun of it too much, (laughs) and it was like the opening credits. So um, I left, and so I never saw it. So we're watching it tonight. All my kids, I don't want to watch this. All my kids. The funny thing was, 15 minutes into the movie, they're glued to it. You sit and, down and respect Julie Andrews. Well, my son, my, this is, this, here's a parenting, here's an exhausting freaking parenting thing. My son, Noah, who's the sweetest kid on the face of the earth, he didn't want to watch it. So I'm like, I don't care what any of you want to do. We're going to watch this. If you don't want to watch this, be respectful to your mother and just take, after you're done with your food, just go get a book, go upstairs to your room, you're done. I Like, I'm done arguing with it because all they do is whine. Oh, God, it's so frustrating. Encouragement, encouragement, encouragement. So my son literally gets his plate and goes and sits at the foot of the stairs. And I was like, what are you doing over here? And Shannon goes, he doesn't even want to see the movie. <laughs> like, out of the corner of his eye. Kids and are I so just, vindictive sometimes. I know they are. They are. My kids are the best at it, too. And I'm just sitting there, and I'm, like, getting the kids, you know, their dinner. Like, And we're all gathered around the TV as good Americans. And uh, I'm just getting angrier and angry. And I walk up to my son. And I don't even say a word. I just grab his plate. And I put it back on the coffee table right in front of the TV. And I walked by him and I said, do not disrespect your mother this way. And then I walked away. And he was like, like he's super sensitive. So I know that crushed him forever. He'll <laughs> so, um, <laughs> be sad be, music in about 10 years. Yeah, I'll be paying those bills for a long time. Um, but the funny thing was, all of them were into it. They, you, you just with old movies, you just have to wait for them to get into it. Yeah, and especially musicals. My daughter's like, "Do they have to sing everything?" And I was like, yes, "Unfortunately, they do." <laughs> they do. I love musicals. Um, I married yeah, someone who does nuns, not, and it hurts my heart. Hmm? Yeah, the nuns, right? Um, the nuns that are in the beginning of the movie, right? Because the mm-hmm. Julie Andrews character was a, a novice. Um, the fact that Julie Andrews mentioned mass and they said grace before meals and they did the sign of the cross. And all this stuff. I was like, do you see that? Do you see that? And Kateri's like, oh, oh, wow. Like, it's little stuff like that yeah. that gives you signs of hope amidst the chaos. Like Now let's kids- watch the two popes on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so pissed that's a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's stuff like that. Listen, it is exhausting. It is exhausting. But it, it has to pay off in ways. One thing that drives me insane is the overly Catholic. Like, we're homeschooled. We have four kids that are five years apart. We did that. We did the Catholic thing. We're doing the Catholic thing. However, I feel like there are those who are so over the top that, like, everything is Catholic and in a sense of, like, quarantine zone Catholic. And I don't – I can't handle that. I want my kids – I want my kids to be able to – I don't want to say be out in the world, but understand the world that they're in 
as well as have our Catholic faith. So it is going to be okay, and it is going to pay off in the end, and you're doing a good job. I'm just so sorry you're tired. Yeah, I'm really sorry that you're tired, but you're really doing a great job, and I'm so sorry that you are tired. You deserve this bottle of wine that you're about to pound right right now. Way to go. <laughs> Red to the head. <laughs> yeah, raising raising kids in the faith with conviction, that's what Paul Martin's little tagline was, like, how do I do it? And you do it because it, it, by not being alone in it. Like, you have to have friends. I would be I would be up a creek without the Muckenthalers and the Joneses Me? and Luke. Oh, sure, Joey. Well, of course, Joey. Uh, so my favorite thing happened at Mass on Sunday. We brought in three people into the Catholic Church. And I, it was one of the Masses where my whole family was able to come, and it was awesome. We sat with the, the, the candidates. And um, the first reading was about King David, right, because it's Feast of Christ the King. And he said, uh, and then David, and then the lector said that, and my son Thomas, who's playing with his cars in the pew, right? My son Thomas isn't even paying attention. He's playing with race cars in the pew. And he goes, David Van Vickle? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, yeah, David Van Vickle's in the Bible. And he's like, okay. (laughs) Fair enough, kid. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, don't worry. You're doing a good job. It's going to pay off in the end. You're fine. I'm sorry you're so so tired. You're so tired. Drink this (laughs) bottle of wine. Chug, 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 chug. Oh, that's awesome. What about this, Luke? How about living and showing your faith in a secular workplace? uh, There is a podcast called The Tentmaker Podcast. Oh, yeah. I I was on the, I I think I was the first episode. You were. I'm Um, I'm on there soonish. Oh, did, did you actually recorded one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was driving oh, around awesome. in my car while I was just like speaking to the, my Apple pair of of headphones, and I blabbed and blabbed and blabbed. He'll edit the heck out of it. But the whole point of that podcast is how do you live your faith as a Catholic in a secular work environment? That's why he calls it tent maker. Saint Paul was a maker of tents. So how do you do that? I want to encourage you. I'm not. I don't think I. I, uh, I I don't have a lot of resources to answer this question. I want to encourage you to go and listen to the stories of men and women who are doing just that because I have worked for the church my whole life. But we're actually going to have a buddy on at some point in time who's going to be able to come and talk about that with us. I'm very excited to do that. Do you remember? All right, Luke. Luke, I got a good one for you. Ooh. I think this is personal, and I think this is good, and this is the one that touches upon fire but without being explicit about it. All right, let me cue it up right quick. I'm, like, sorting the show notes just to make sure we don't... Yeah, anywho. Uh, Anthony, Anthony Bones. What an awesome last name. I hope you're a hitman. Um, <laughs> Anthony, <laughs> Anthony Bones. I knew, a guy in pri- I knew a guy in prison who had a name with Bones in it, and he was a hitman. Um, Hail Mary, fully grace. You guys <laughs> joke about money, but how do you stop yourself from comparing yourself to others who make more? Do you ever struggle with jealousy? Or anything when you look at others' podcasts that have more listeners. Yes, and yes, and yes, and yes. <laughs> so, uh, for those of you who do not know, we were very blessed and extremely lucky to be in the Franciscan Way drink, uh, which uh, is our alma mater's magazine. And they had like a bunch of podcasts and they had a thing on um, Catholic stuff, um, you should know because of uh, because of Father Michael. And they had their download um numbers for each episode. And I was like, holy shit, when I saw that. Oh, I didn't even see that. What is their download number? 150 fucking thousand. Whoa. Per I episode? Know. Yes. 
I was like, you wonderful assholes when I saw that. <laughs> I was like, do you understand the advert? We could, we would have Casper mattresses up the ass if we had those kind of numbers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Once you hit 50,000, you're show gold. Like, so you're, e- you're a mainstream It's so podcast. easy to get ads when you're at 50,000. But if you're not, you're scraping by for great things like CatholicSocial.media. So, Anthony, you, you started off by you guys joke about money, but how do you stop yourself from comparing yourself to others? Um, I'll say this. Working for the church in the way that I do, which means at a parish, I am paid very, very well for my job. I would never in a million years accuse my parish of being stingy, of being miserly or being abusive of their employees. Yeah. At least not of me. I don't no. I don't know what other people make. I don't want to know. So, when I talk about money, my money issues are deeply deeply tied with not necessarily me comparing myself to someone else, but me comparing myself to where I should be financially like this is the year that I opened up a retirement account because no one ever sat me down and said, this is a very important thing you need to do. So I have now a fully funded Roth IRA, but that thanks to Trump, uh, you can have up to 6,000. I think it's a thousand dollars more for the Roth. And I'm going to do the same for my wife, but I am so behind. Like my wife just turned 40 this year. She's so old and I'm so, but we are behind for her retirement savings. So I get, it's stuff like that that I struggle with. What about you? I definitely struggle a little bit more with the, uh, uh, you know, we're just, you know, starting to like see people, oh, you bought that house. Huh. (laughs) Like, uh, or like, I remember the first time I ever went to this one meeting out in like Upton Snad is the person who, who was like a year older than me. And I was like, wait, you, you live here? What do you do? <laughs> and you know, and and, and just um, <laughs> um, if if I have an like an Achilles heel, if anything, if there's a, is that I definitely have a little bit of like suburban douchebaggery within me. Oh yeah, um, yeah, you do. Not not <laughs> to the point where I'm like buying like a lot of like nice stuff or, or, or things, but like I in my, my my default mode is to like view that as like a good thing. And mm-hmm. as a thing that, like, if you've got that, you're doing everything right. Uh, which, of course, isn't true. But it's, 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 it's something that's inherently bad either. But I, And, um, I mean, to be blunt, we're in a place right now where we're doing pretty well. And uh, uh, hopefully it's just going to continue, you know. But it um, it is definitely a temptation. You know, I think the hardest part sometimes of staying in nonprofit work is understanding that to do the kind of stuff I like to do, there's a ceiling. You know, for the most part, if I want to stay within Catholic, within like Catholic, like religious organizations, doing what I do well and what I and what um, like my my career path, I'm maxed out about a hundred to one hundred fifty thousand a year. Yeah, and that's without the podcast. And you see people who are at 200, up to 300, 400, 500, you know, like that's not possible doing the stuff that I do unless I wanted to work for a thing like, oh, I don't know, a group that wrote crappy Catholic books. So who uh, <laughs> will rename nameless and pay for those books through weird ways? Um, where does the money go? Ask yourself that. Anywho, um, my <laughs> – 
Yes. <laughs> I'm just biting my tongue. <laughs> I know, right? I'm like, it's <laughs> fucking bullshit. Okay, so anyways. Um, you know, but if I want to work for, like, different um, medical non-profits, um, things like the American Heart Association, you know, you can easily go up to, like, half a million dollars, up to, like, a, you know, up to, like, almost up to a million. Because uh, you're doing such huge, awesome things, which, like, that have, like, worldwide implications. And it's very tempting to stop and go, yeah, the church thing is going to probably stop in, like, five years. And I'm trying to go over to, like, a hospital or, like, or like a school or something. Because that's where the money is. And so I think it's... For me, it's a very real temptation that I don't even know if it's necessarily a bad thing. But, um, but be- so it, it's a way of, of um, saying it's there for me in terms of not, not it's, with me, it's not the comparison part that's hard. It's the um, what are my goals and ambitions. Mm. Mm. And I find that when I tend to settle, I get really lazy. Yeah. And so there's a part of me that views if I were to stay working for the church as this is a lazy thing because there's more opportunity elsewhere. I'm not saying that that's true. That's just kind of like the temptation in my head. And if also, though, but this is very true, though, if I know that there is a ceiling, I – it's very hard. Like I'm not a, one of those individuals unless I'm volunteering. Yeah. Where I, um, if I feel like I'm kind of I'm like kind of like maxed out, it's very hard for me to give it everything I have just because it's the right thing to do. Which sounds terrible, but I mean it in a sense of like if I you know so that's okay going back to the archdiocese. That is one reason why I left was because I did everything that I could do. And everything after that was there was no more. There was no higher position. There was no higher pay besides either cost of living or getting a master's degree. So now I was worth an extra $3,000. Yeah. I spent $30,000 in order to get $3,000 a year. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, I'm going to die here because I need to have that like next thing to be like, I'm really, I'm just going to suffocate and it's going to be the like, here's a highway to like a CDO right here. Enjoy strap on for a whole lot of nothing. So yeah. So that's strap in, strap in, <laughs> strap in strap for a whole lot. Of- yeah. No, no, la, 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 la. No, I would say, I would say when it comes to income, <laughs> Uh, well, okay, Anthony, so like to update you actually on the whole fire thing, um, I sat down and recalculated my numbers because I've been away from it for a while. Why are you ignoring the fact that I'm still laughing at this? Yep, 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 yep. I'm trying my best. I'm trying my best. And the, the uh, documentary Playing With Fire came out on iTunes and Amazon and all that good stuff. So I watched it and, I'm, and I've started to listen to a couple podcasts and I'm like, why did I step away from these podcasts? Some of them are just too much information overload, but... There is a very simple and basic thing. So I keep going back to this, and I got a buddy that's holding me accountable, um, Brian Jones, the guy, guy at work. Oh, your other wife. Yeah, my other wife, work wife. And uh, I sat down and began re-going through the math for everything. We have one debt, one debt left that comes from my wife's graduate school. So her last educational loan. And at the current payments, it will take 122 months to pay off 
And I started thinking about that, and I'm like, she's 40. Now, she went back to school when she was in her 20s, um, you know, after being in the workforce for a little bit. And so it's not unheard of to have that late, but I'm like, when, when do we stop with all this crap? Like, Dave Ramsey has this line where he says, a debt, a student loan that's been around so long, it's like a pet, and you gave it a name. Like, that's what I feel like with this damn loan. Like, I'm ready to be done with this thing. And so um, we're obviously going to get more aggressive about that. But as I start mapping out everything, I realize something, which is that's our only debt. You know, cars, none of that stuff, no credit cards or anything like that. But if I can bring my total expenses down and just tweak a couple things in my life, because I have these side hustles with the podcasts, plural, and with my speaking stuff, with all of that combined... I can effectively get, make more money than I could if I was working more or less at a at a full time secular job. Now I'm not talking three or four hundred thousand dollars. I, I I don't know. I guess Luke, it doesn't affect me that way. Like I'm not striving for a higher position or more. Like I'm not. There's no ladder in my mind for me. It's doing the things I really, really want to do and being able to provide for my family for it. So if if you said to me, Michael, I'll give you $10,000 more, but I need you in work more, or you can lose that money but do the Catching Foxes podcast, I would take the podcast yeah. 10 yeah. times out of 10 because it it feeds my soul to have these conversations with Luke and to get your Patreon – like the Patreon community, I didn't understand until recently how like meaningful it is for me. And when people, like, I send them the stickers in the mail and they immediately take pictures of it and put it online, like, I really, it took me freaking forever to do that, but it really meant so much to me that there is a community out there. Um, And so, anywho, Anthony, I, I do love your question. It's hard to stop comparing yourself about different things, but for me, my money is, like, how do I catch up? How do I get the retirement thing? How can I cut back my expenses? That's basically, that's my struggle. All right. Uh, well, okay. Here's one. Um, Father Brian Hess asks an update for Gomer on his prison ministry. I just started doing ministry at a minimum security center, and I'd be curious about the comparisons. Um, Speaking of strap ons, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm going to edit. I'm editing that <laughs> it out. It was right there. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I tried. I tried it's so a- hard. And then I thought, and then I thought, think of your friends that would laugh at that. And I just said it. <laughs> no, I get how you work. You don't got to give me a play-by-play. <laughs> I've been in the Luke business for a long time. Half your life. Um, so let me just give you a quick update. Yeah, I did. Uh, I'm, I'm doing a retreat on January 16th, 17th, and 18th. So please keep us in your prayers. Um, we're doing another Colby retreat. It's the fourth one that we'll be doing. Um, we are bringing in G4s and G3s. So in the prison system here in Texas, G1s are like the best of the offenders. They're the ones that are such a low risk, you're not worried about them at all. Um, G2s are basically in the same boat. G3s are your more difficult guys, more difficult cases. G5s are solitary confinement for decades. People seem to think that solitary confinement is a thing that happens for like 30 days. In 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 our prison, it's called administrative segregation. And these are people who are in solitary, what for lack of a better term, is solitary confinement, um, for 30 plus years. So um, 
we got permission. Jerry, my homeboy who does this stuff, uh, he is so awesome. He got permission to get a handful of G4s. So this is like right on. Now, we had G3s at the last one. Now, let me tell you, Jerry walked up to me and goes, wow, um, I've only heard three men's testimonies, but I've already counted up to 10 murders. Now, the first two Colby retreats that I was a part of, they were like carjacks and stuff like that. Like, I'm at a rough prison, a gang-affiliated prison, so it's like the rougher crimes. But there were very few murders and such, but this... Like when you get G3s in the mix, it's a t- these are people who are serving life in prison or consecutive life sentences. G4s are people who are like like no country for old men type terrifying, right? Uh yes, these are your not just hitmen but warlords, not just enforcers but the people who command them. So there there's going to be there's like 10 10 or 15 tables. I think maybe there's 12 tables I think of men. And there's going to be a G4 at each of the tables. And these are the bottom of the G4. Right? They're the closest to the G3s. But it's still going to be intense. And uh, so I've been fasting and praying for that. So I'm super excited. And lastly, I have a GoFundMe. Just type in Catholic Prison Formation. I've edited out of the last two shows because I am ridiculous. And I get self-conscious when Keep I ask for money. Keep it in there. Keep it in there. I know, I know. I'm very, I will, very I will. proud of you. It's a very good thing. Don't deny the work that the Lord wants to do through this podcast and your life and your ministry. Fair enough, fair enough. So we raised ten thousand dollars in in four days, um, and now I have a stretch goal of fifteen thousand dollars, so I can afford some uh, equipment to do a lot of the editing. Um, but Ascension Press, I talked with them, and they're going to sell me. They're going to basically render my master publishing agreement null and void, and assign all the rights, all not just the rights, but all the stuff that they already completed, everything they're giving to me. That's wonderful. And I'm going to owe it free and clear. I'm going to be able to develop. Now, just for people who are confused, it's not just a prison curriculum. I'm going to take an existing small group curriculum. So to go back to uh, Michael Fetterman's question about his men's group, I'm going to take an existing small group curriculum that might apply for your men's group, and I'm going to release that too. But I'm going to chop it up and find out what best would fit a prison and then edit that together and release a prison curriculum, hopefully for free. But um, some people have been advising me and encouraging me to start a nonprofit. So that's what I'm doing. I haven't been able to go on Mondays except for once in the last six months, which is killing my soul. But um, now that I'm a director, I just I just don't have the time as like I did. So, um, yeah, that's about it. I'm so freaking proud of you, man. It's I love it. It's wonderful. <laughs> Thank you, Luke. Thank you, Luke. I really do appreciate that. Thank you. Um, I just Brendan want you to Gormley. know you're tired and you work really hard and you do a lot and you're very appreciated. You should drink that bottle of wine. You deserve it. <laughs> Luke, I am drinking a glass of wine. Don't tell my wife. <laughs> I'm going to text her. Okay, right now. we got Brendan Gormley. No relation to me. What's your favorite religious order? Can be male or female and why? Hypothetically, in an alternate universe. Were you called to religious life? Which one do you think you'd join? Need to Google the name of the order my wife was in. Give me just a second. Right. No, I, well, while you're while you're Googling, I can answer that easily. I would be a CFR. As much of a... T- I would be the most un, unappreciated CFR because, one, I'd be very <laughs> fussy and dramatic. And number two, I would be a Thomist amidst a bunch of Franciscans who are not Thomists. Um, but I love the CFRs. 
Uh, the only other order that I could think of of joining, uh, one of our friends, I don't know if you remember him, Luke. He was in LOJ at Franciscan. Nerd. He was, he was the dude from Boston who was like a year or two older than us. How you doing at Goma? Sounds familiar. He was, if you saw his face, you'd be like, oh, that guy, yeah. Like, really, he I mean, is, all those guys are awesome. Yeah. Just he was, the part. Uh, yeah, he was, I mean, now, totally. But then, um, he was an FPO, a friar of the primitive observance, where they try to live literally as St. Francis of Assisi and his original band lived. And that's an intense order. I don't know if I could join that, but it definitely is appealing. And lastly is the, um, friend, I think they're called Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit, uh, the, my um, co-worker, so my assistant, Mary Beal, her father, Steve Beal, he's a musician. I believe his nephew, I think it's his nephew, is joining these friars. And we met them, Luke, I don't know if you remember, at Seek. Um, oh, wonderful. I walked up to them and introduced them. They're the ones whose I, their image is like the Franciscan cross with the fire of the Holy Spirit around it. Um, they're in like New Mexico or something like that, and they nice. have just powerful stories. That's really cool. I wish I that yeah. guy sounds vaguely mm-hmm. familiar, and it's driving me crazy that I can't um, um, picture his face. Um, yeah. So I would join the Carmelites of the most of Sacred Heart of. Let's make sure I get this right. The Car- the Carmelite Sisters of the Most Sacred Heart of Los Angeles because they are awesome, and Aaron. Oh, was a novice with them. Um, I would probably join in terms of like like orders the servants of Christ Jesus out in Denver, Colorado. I just love what they do, um, but I don't think Father uh, John would. I don't think he would let me in. Um, I remember did I tell you about the time when I told him I thought he might have a uh, vocation. He was like, <laughs> "No, you don't." I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, in college, I did kind of flirt with the idea of like like monastery for a bit. I think I'm very in, I'm intrigued by the idea of just like studying and like praying and um, working and teaching. And uh, so perhaps like one of the orders that does that. But I think honestly, probably I just would want to be. And, and I know they're not, they're an association. Um, probably uh, the companions because I just like love what they do and what they're about. Mm. So mm. I just, I re- and again, I, I know they're, I think you're like either, are they an association? I, th- I think that's all what they are, but again, so it's not like an order or anything, but I really, re- I just like, plus I just like love those dudes. They're just such great guys, but uh, I love, love what they're about. Um, I know some people might go, why don't you say Glenn Mary? And I would say, because it takes a very specific person to do um, what they do. I'm not that kind of a guy, but I have the utmost respect and love and passion, and I adore their mission. So, you're on death row, Luke. What's your last meal? Uh, you know, this, when I was out on the, when I was on like a CC at that hotel that we that you stay at, we had this bow tie. No, it wasn't a bow tie. It was like wheel pasta that was the greatest pasta I've ever had in my fucking life. And I cannot <laughs> remember. No, you don't understand. I remember eating it going, this is the greatest thing I've ever eaten. Oh, my God. This is the greatest thing I've ever eaten. And I drank too much wine, and so I forget the name of it. <laughs> but it was so good. It was so good. If someone remembers that, for the, I will literally pay you money 
to tell me what that was. It was amazing. That or steak. Love steak. Love steak. Okay. Um, I would have steak, New York strip, medium rare, and I would have... Killed by uh, Thomas Yeager. Killed by Thomas Yeager. Cooked by Thomas Yeager. And then I would have um, a baked potato. The biggest baked potato in the world just soaked in butter and uh, cheddar cheese. A double baked baked potato. Have you ever had that before? I have. I have, but uh. no. Uh, and I would eat that and, uh, and maybe some uh, fried or not fried. Oh, what do you call that stuff that makes your pee smell terrible? Asparagus. Some asparagus the way my wife makes it. She does this little wrapped in bacon stuff. I would be in heaven. I'd be in heaven before I would be electrocuted or whatever. Also, really good cheddar cheese. I love, like, really well-aged cheddar cheese. So, so good. good. All right. And I would have, what would you, what, what would be your drink? As you're on death row, you're about to die, last meal, what's the drink you're drinking? A really good cab. Like, I would want, not, like. Not a pappy's? Not pappy's? No, no, I'd want like a um, no, not Pappy Van Winkle. I would want like a cab that costs like three to five hundred dollars from France. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Uh, what would I have? Probably PBR. Um, <laughs> you would. I like to go out in style. I, I would go out with a joke like that. Okay, let's be honest. if you okay, if you're in jail and it's your last mm-hmm. meal, why are you in jail? <laughs> That's a whole different question. Why am I in jail? <sighs> like, like, what's like one thing that you would want to do? That's not. It's going to sound terrible. That's not like oh, you know, but just as like okay, it's wrong, <laughs> but like I get why you would do that. Streak into the quad. <laughs> <laughs> I did that one time in college. Did you really? And Tommy, uh, <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was there for that. Yeah, I was there for that. Okay, High five la- in the middle uh, of the hallway. I would be in yeah. jail. If I always thought, it, like, I like, <laughs> I have these dreams where I would like rob people's houses, and I think the rush of being in a person's house while they're not there would be incredible. What about robbing them if they are there sleeping? No, 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 no. That's gross and horrible. Okay. Like again, I think stealing and robbing is horrible. But just the rush <laughs> of doing a thing that you shouldn't be doing, of being a place where, like, you like you shouldn't be is, like, kind of cool. Michael Gormley will receive the electric chair today in the state of Texas for the crime of repeatedly <laughs> stealing his co-host's <laughs> underwear. No, I mean, don't t- but, like, so, Both like... Both Dave Van Vickle and Luke Carey... You might go... Not th- suspending hundreds of thousands of dollars... <laughs> On replacing their underwear. I just remember. Fair about 11. <laughs> <laughs> now, back to Terry. <laughs> it's going to be a hot, hot week this week. <laughs> now, back to Terry with his update on the war. Uh, no, I just, I haven't robbed anyone. Hitler. <laughs> Watch out, Mussolini. <laughs> the boys in blue are coming for you. Easy. Know, the boys in blue are. <laughs> Easy, racial slang. <laughs> I was trying to apply. Okay, anyways, that was a dumb joke. Um, and again, I don't want to rob anyone. I think it's terrible to rob, but I just had dreams. I, look, I think people get okay. that. <laughs> and the closest I've come to this is oh, when, I was, go. <laughs> when I was in Idaho. No, no, no. I had to, like, to get to 
the laundry, I could like go through my I could go through my like landlord's house to get to like one part of the laundry because I was on the apartment above like above like his like garage. He's like, yeah, if you want to like do your laundry while I'm gone, just like go ahead and just you can just like cut it. You can cut in like cut in the house if you want. And I did. I, I remember I just stopped one time. I was like, so this is what it's like to be in a person's house when they're not there and they don't know that you're there. This is weird. <laughs> this is so weird. And it just oh, felt that like, That is funny. All right, last question. We're going to wrap up the show today. Moira Fleming, what is some music you listen to that is ostensibly secular but has inadvertently transcendent themes? Or more specifically is, how do you say his names? Sufjan? Oh, um, it's a little hard with the speech impediment. Sufjan Stevens. Yeah, I was, that's why I wanted you to say it. Uh, to be alone with you about Jesus or another man. So what do you think? What's something absolutely secular but inadvertently See, transcendent? I would say he's not secular, so. Yeah, no, he's not. Um, well, what would you say? What other music? Oh, so let's bracket that. Oh, gosh. What other, what other songs are inadvertently transcendent? So I think... Um, Lifehouse. Uh, no. Okay, I'm going to go, like, I'm going to, mm, okay, I'm going, uh, can you give me, like, just uh-huh. a second? I want to go through my, oh. I'm recently played, just see if there's anything that really pops out at me. Johnny Cash isn't secular. Um, I'm going to go with, um, oh, this is a good question. I'm going to go. Say what's coming to mind right now would be Annie DeFranco because she has a longing for justice in her songs. That even if I don't necessarily agree with where she ends up with it, I get it, and I really like that. I think that's why I'm kind of drawn to her music. I mean, plus, it's just very, very good. You know, but like probably one of my favorite songs by her is um, um, not is um, not a pretty girl. Aaron hates okay. it, but it's like I am not a pretty girl, and it's all about how like I'm not a maiden fair. Go find your go, go find a cat in some tree somewhere. So it's basically the plan like she's not some girl to like be rescued. Not a damsel in distress. Yeah, I'm no damsel in distress. Uh, <laughs> um. I like this idea of um, she really goes for like she like it's to me that's a matter of like of justice and I know some people might um, might might I'm not agree with this and that's fine but what she's talking about there I think is um, this idea of like I'm a whole person not a thing to make you feel better about yourself and I'm a person to be respected and be loved for the person that I am, not the need that I serve you. Sorry, not the not not because um, like yes, I agree that like like guys should like fight for girls and like I, that's where I would like, kind of like push back against her in the sense of uh, of what she's of what she's trying to say. But I think her counter argument this is where I and I think that she is right would be that it's not about wanting to be for the other and wanting to like. It's about um, uh, when you reduce the person to just that. Yeah. And so for her, her, and it really comes from a, a desire, I think, of like what is just, um, what is right, the dignity of the human person, even if I don't always agree with where she ends up with that. 
um, I really, really like her. So, oh, nice. That'd be one. One person who I don't listen to, but these two songs, I'm sure there's more songs that I know, but I think these thong- songs are so like raw that they touch on the longing of the human heart. And it's going to sound so stupid because it's just pure pop. But it is Kelly Clarkson with the, the, that one song, um, Piece by Piece. Oh, yeah. Which um, is just incredible. Yeah. Where she sings about like how her father, who abandoned her, I guess, uh, he destroyed her. And her husband, who loves her, is putting her back piece by piece. And I just think of the, the transcendent power of like true goodness, like loving the other as other, like loving them for who they are. And even in the midst of their woundedness, I think is such a beautiful thing. And you could tell when she sang that song, it was like a brutally personal thing, but that's, you know, often that's what makes great art. Uh, And the other one, she has another song about something about a sidewalk um, because of you. I never stray too far from the sidewalk. And it's about her. I think it's about her dad again, but how she always plays it safe because of what he did to her and her mindset and all that stuff. And I find themes of where people are honest about their brokenness without celebrating that, you know, like, yeah, I'm damaged goods. Woohoo. You know, like, yeah, she honestly addresses the pain in her life. In a way that I think is incredibly honest, not just um, voyeuristic or it's, she's not an exhibitionist with her pain. She is incredibly honest. And I just I really like that. The fact that a, an incredibly talented singer can weave those themes into pop music and make it accessible and, and literally probably bring healing into people's lives. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's I think that's it. Um, so oh, we can I just, just went add through one yeah. more. Oh, I absolutely. would also absolutely. say Kendrick Lamar. I found when I, the more I dive into what he's saying, the more I am blown away, and how he says it, I am just blown away by it. So. Man, see, I wish I was into him more. Not that I'm, I don't like him, but like it, I just never think to sit down with his back catalog and plow through. It's subtle. I don't know his stuff is really subtle, so you have to. Uh, like you've got to, you, you have to take time with it. All right, brother. All, All right, right, brother man. There we go. That's fun. Okay, so how do you how do you want to end this one? I got to pee so badly. All right, man. Well, you have a good one. <laughs> um, so if you uh, special thanks to CatholicSocial.media for sponsoring this show thanks, as guys. well as the previous fifty seven shows. Yeah, you guys are awesome. Uh, yeah, two month yeah. campaign. We love them. We love them. Whoa. If you would like to sponsor a show, shoot an email over to Luke. Uh, no, what do, we, what do they do? They go over to catchingfoxes.fm, yeah. click the advertising button, and you can find out how you can also advertise your show or your product or your whatever on our show. It's awesome. Luke handles all that good stuff. Morally. Um And lastly, patreon.com slash CF. You can find Luke at the Luke V on Twitter. You can find me at Lay Evangelist. And uh, happy Turkey Day. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. I freaking love yeah. thanks, Thanksgiving. Yeah, me too. It's what are you holiday. doing? What are you doing? Uh, I'm going to a uh, good friend of the podcast, Aaron and uh, Don Merrick, who are great supporters of ours and very good friends of mine. I have to work on Friday, 
So I'm actually, I might be spending the holiday apart from Erin, which is kind of a bummer. But uh, she has, we always go down to her, her family's house in Kentucky. But uh, it's about a three and a half hour trip and I can't make that because I have to work the next day. And I, and I want to be able to take off time around on Christmas because I have family coming in, into town then. So I'm uh, going to actually spend it apart from her for a bit, which will suck. But uh, uh. I'm very, very excited to go and spend it with the Merricks because they're fantastic. So Awesome. We are hosting at our house my mom and dad, my brother Chris. And my cousin Anthony and his wife and kids. They're awesome. awesome. So, yeah, we're going to be hosting that. And then the day after, we're doing Friendsgiving, which is inviting all of our friends with um, who are in the area who don't have family and can't go see their family. We're going to invite them all over um, after Thanksgiving for polishing off the leftovers so we're doing Good friendsgiving that's awesome yeah we're super excited super it's all my wife's idea i love her so much oh, she's all great. right ladies and gentlemen thank you very much god bless you y'all stay classy thank happy thanksgiving we'll see you yeah. in advent <laughs>